Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Ullman and I'm a five board accredited life coach and I use my experience from being a life coach to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week we are talking about long distance relationships and before we even dig into this topic I think it's really important to say that the definition of long distance relationships does vary person to person because With some people, it's simply not being in the same city or the town or the area that you live in. But for others, well, put it this way, my first long distance relationship was between Bristol and Bath. And that is technically an 11 minute train journey between us. And yes, you had to get on the bus in between and whatnot. But considering I live in London now and the average non-long distance relationship, I have to travel 45 minutes to an hour to see someone on the other side of London. That definitely wasn't a long distance relationship. And so when I go back to that time in my life, I think it's actually more telling to how much effort we were both willing to put in the relationship. And the term long distance relationship almost got used as an excuse to not see each other. And it can be such a warning sign. I think places like London or even countries like America, where traveling is so normal to have to see anyone, then you get used to making that amount of effort to see not just your partner, but any friend in your life. What I've now realised is that a long distance for one couple is a short distance for another. And you could be the same person, but be willing to make that journey for one person, but not be willing to make that journey for the next person you're with. Another thing I would like to point out is if you find yourself constantly in long distance relationships, then start looking into that. We've all heard of the term emotionally unavailable. Some people even use the term emotionally distant. And sometimes when someone is emotionally unavailable, they'll feel safer to exist in relationships that are physically unavailable as well or are literally distant as opposed to emotionally distant. It's a protection mechanism because it means you only have to be on for a certain amount of time. And to be honest, they start treating long distance relationships like part time relationships because being around someone full time is too intense or scary or just plain too much for them. I've been in a number of long distance relationships. I mentioned my first relationship, which was a long time ago. I was 19 years old. I was very young. It was my first relationship. 
And one of the largest issues it caused for me being long distance was actually amongst my friends. My first boyfriend was working a job whilst doing a degree and combined with his back and forth commuting three times a week from London to Bath, it meant that we never had time to speak. So when we finally did have a chance to speak, I would take that opportunity whether I was with friends or not, which led to them being very annoyed at the end of, what, three months? I think they all sat me down, told me I had been really distant, I'm always texting under the table, and I'm never focused, and the fact that I just get up in the middle of dinner to go answer my phone outside the restaurant is rude, and it was rude. It was a big learning lesson that I took into my future long-distance relationships, and to be honest, all my relationships, because it's really important to prioritise quality interactions over the constant interactions. Also, just don't ignore your friends for a boy. But after three more long distance relationships over the last seven years, after the last time I promised myself I would never get into another one, for me, physical touch and affection are really important values for me in my love life and it's not something I'm willing to compromise on. So I made that decision that no more long distance relationships and then coronavirus happened and I had a habit of matching with people who were 45 minutes across London somehow, even though my settings on dating apps are ridiculously low in terms of distance. So funnily enough, when I met this guy who I was seeing right before coronavirus, and he was two stops away on the tube, I was like, ideal. Then he went to go visit his parents in Dorset for a week, and that's where he ended up locking down. What's that saying about if you make a plan, the universe laughs? So as much as I didn't want another long-distance relationship, I didn't want to end it for the sake of it, especially when I was in the same position as so many people around the country, around the world, who had found themselves in long-distance relationships simply because they were separated by lockdown. If you're in school or uni, you would have the same thing because you would lose proximity we were all used to. So I think that was a common part of lockdown for a lot of people. And I don't think long-distance relationships are in inherently bad but what I do believe is that you need to have a time limit the long distance part of your relationship has to be temporary it's also more important than ever that you have good communication and that both parties are heavily invested in the relationship to make it work because it does complicate things and therefore if your communication skills aren't up to scratch then you need to be with someone who's willing to work on it and get the communication to the level it needs to be at where you can have a healthy relationship whilst being long distance I also believe that whatever problems are in a normal relationship will be emphasized and highlighted way more when distance is involved. As long as there's an end date though, I think long distance relationships provide a brilliant opportunity to strengthen your relationship and it's an adjustment process and those teething pains can be difficult to navigate. So as with every other episode, you sent in some questions and let's get to them. Hi Michelle, my question is do you think that a relationship can start off as long distance? Thanks, Tom. Thank you for your question, Tom. I don't like talking in absolute, so I'm never going to say yes or no, but it definitely complicates things. Also, I think you're asking the wrong question. The question isn't, can you start off a relationship as long distance? Because you can. It's whether you want to start off a relationship as long distance. If you aren't in a relationship yet, you need to ask yourself, is it worth being in a long distance relationship? 
One of the main reasons people put up with the inconvenience and frankly the difficulty of being in a long distance relationship is because of the existing relationship. You already know the person and therefore the love, connection and understanding is already in place and you can deal with the separation because one, hopefully it's temporary and you have an end date in mind, but two, because you actually know the person. The problem with your situation is if you're getting to know someone over text and phone calls, you have a lot more gaps in your knowledge about that person. And what your brain does when it has gaps is it starts filling it in. Therefore, it's really easy to build a fantasy person who doesn't really exist, especially when they aren't around a lot to almost fact check it. This happens in normal relationships as well, but it's a lot easier to do when you have so much distance between you in order to create the fantasy person person that you want to be with rather than the person right in front of you. This means when you do see each other in person, the person in front of you sometimes doesn't match up to the person you had in your mind. Depending on how badly you want the relationship, you might ignore that and persevere or it will just cause a lot of conflicts. I don't like saying absolutely no, it categorically can't work, but I think you should ask yourself if the relationship is new or potentially if you haven't even met yet, what's the purpose of dating someone when there's an obstacle at the very beginning? I hope that gives you something to think about and I think we need to start asking ourselves what can we get the most out of our love life, what makes us most happy rather than what will we settle for? This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking about an iconic scene and also one of the most dysfunctional conversations I have ever seen on TV. Not only the original conversation, but the fact that this conversation continues for years on the show. And yes, it's a running joke, but I actually think there's so much to take away from this conversation. I'm talking about the we were on a break conversation. And for those who haven't watched Friends, I think you've probably even heard this tagline and not understood it don't worry you don't need to have watched friends basically there are two main characters ross and rachel and they're both in a relationship they decide they're going to go on a break rachel perceives that as we are taking a break for the evening or like a short break and ross takes that as a breakup and then sleeps with someone that night and then the following morning she finds out via a number of people and (laughs) There is this scene where he storms in and says, but we were on a break, so he wasn't technically cheating. If you actually go back to that conversation where Ross is storming in, what Ross is actually saying is, Rachel, talk to me, please. Rachel is walking away from him and said, I can't even look at you right now. To me, this is already a boundary break. When someone is angry, you do not push them. She is asking for space, maybe not in an exact way, but she is asking for space. After that, she grabs her or goes to go after her and she goes, just get away from me. That's the second time she's already asking for space. When you push someone when they're angry, you are not going to have a productive conversation. Rachel feels like she's being cheated on right now. And therefore, there's going to be a lot of emotions that are going to come up that are bringing up her own stuff that she needs to process alone. Yes, Ross caused it, but Rachel is now dealing with feelings of abandonment, rejection. 
um, betrayal. I'm not going to mind read what Rachel is feeling, but if you're feeling a lot, you don't want to poke the bear whilst they are already feeling so much. And that's when the conversation turns very hurtful. But even after that, after the second time, she also says, you know what? I want you to leave. Just get out. And he says, no, no, I want to stay. I want to talk about it. And that's when it starts getting hurtful because Rachel goes, you want to talk about it? Fine. Let's talk about it. How was she? Um, which is obviously not a productive conversation at all. What could have happened instead is Rachel could have asked for space. I can't even look at you right now. Just get away from me. And Ross could have said, I know you're hurt right now. I'm going to give you space. And when you're ready to talk, let me know. It would have respected her boundaries. It would have actually listened to what she was having to say. The reason why Ross keeps imposing himself, though, is because he wants to relieve his guilt. And considering he's the one in the wrong, although that is probably debatable, he shouldn't have prioritised his needs more than Rachel. So when Rachel says, I want you to leave, just get out. And he says, no, I want to stay. He's putting what he wants over what she needs. And if he's the one who is causing the hurt, therefore he needs to respect the other person. In a functional conversation, he would have given her space. They would have decided a time that they will talk about it or a time if she's not in that space to say, I'll come back to you in an hour or whatever, then he can end it saying, I'm going to check in with you tomorrow morning. I'm really sorry. And I really want to resolve this. You can leave it as that. Putting it on pause when you're in that heated moment is so important. But what instead happens is there's so much of the conversation that focuses on how Rachel finds out. And Ross blames Joey and Chandler, two other main characters, for convincing him to not take accountability. Basically, Joey and Chandler say, don't tell her. But he's the one who chose not to tell her. Regardless of whether they convinced him or not, he's the one who made that decision. Yes, he was going to tell her initially before that conversation, but you shouldn't be that heavily influenced by your friends, especially not when you're an adult. But I think this is a common thing that happens in arguments, is there's so much focus on the technicalities around who said what and who did what, rather than focusing on how it made the other person feel. Rather than trying to understand each other and understand where they're both coming from, it becomes this consistent argument about whether they were actually on a break, who told her, how she found out, whether he was going to tell her or not. And when you focus on the actual situation, you take out of context the things that are really important and needed in a relationship like trust her trust is probably broken how do we fix this how do we repair this can we fix this is her trust ever going to be able to be fixed is this a time thing or is the trust broken these are the important conversations you need to have around a situation like this when you focus on the situation you don't progress in trying to understand each other and no matter who did what every person has their own emotions I am 100% making this up now because this part was not on the show. But let's say, for example, if this was a real situation and Ross was feeling like Rachel was accusing him of being an immoral person or that he wasn't a good person because he didn't think it was cheating. That kind of thing is Ross's own emotions that he needs to process in order to be able to be an adult in that conversation. In the same situation that Rachel is probably feeling abandonment and it could remind her of, let's say, again, I'm making this up, that 
she has moments in childhood that remind her of this feeling of rejection it's going to trigger that wound and so she needs to heal that wound or at least be aware of it before going into a conversation together and I think so many dysfunctional conversations could be handled a lot better if you just let people have the space that they are asking for and you listen to them when they're saying things like get away from me I can't even look at you right now I want you to leave and in a broader way when we focus on the specific situation rather than what that situation has brought up we are being too narrow-minded about the actual thing and therefore the feelings that are around it feeling understood by your partner goes a long way in actually accepting an apology understanding what you both need in a relationship understanding how this situation whatever situation it might be has impacted your values if your trust is your highest value in a relationship and Rachel perceives this as a break in trust then it's again going back to whether those values can be healed and mended or not otherwise this becomes a circular conversation and as you see plays out on I think like three seasons of Friends it's a very circular conversation and yes the love is still there and all of those things but one of the things that they never fully address is this situation and they don't actually go into it. But it's a TV show and we do take it with a pinch of salt. Um, but as always, I understand it's a running joke in a sitcom, but I think it's a really important thing that we could take lessons from. You know I don't like declaring people as right or wrong because I think that's a judgment. But if I took my psychology brain out of it, what I would say was Ross was right they weren't in a relationship in that moment but how Ross was wrong was that he lied to Rachel about it the moment they decided to get back together would have been the first thing he should have said the first thing to come out of his mouth and if someone had said to me we are on a break I would have perceived it as that but also in a normal real life situation you probably would have clarified what a break does mean but that's just my opinion I'd love to know yours and after that on to the next question Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Michelle. 
My partner will be moving across America for law school in the fall as we hit our six-year mark. I feel like this is going to be a huge adjustment after living together for two years. Part of me feels like I should just move out there with him since my career hasn't taken off here yet, but I feel like it's better for him to have the space he needs to focus on adjusting to a rigorous programme. I want to make sure I'm not putting him before everything in my life, but I also feel like it may be time for a new city. I'm thinking about giving us a year to grow separately and then following him out there. Is it okay to make life changes to avoid long distance or sacrifice comfort or security for the sake of my relationship? Thanks, Kylie. Thank you, Kylie, for the question. I love the idea of giving you a year apart and seeing if it works because while some people will believe this is a decision you need to make now and in this instant, this mentality shows that you don't see it as a finite decision. And I think that's great because it means that you remember that you can change your mind on this. You can try it for six months and decide you want to move or if in a year it's going really well, then you can both make a plan for what's going to happen when he finishes school and whether he's moving back or not. Growing separately is a beautiful thing, especially at the stage in your life, as long as you maintain communication so that the way that you grow is separately but in the same direction. In your question, you phrased a lot of what you were saying as absolutes and this all or nothing mentality will make your decision more difficult. For example, the fact that you think he should have space while focusing on his new programme that's going to be really strenuous. He can do that while he's in the same city as you or not he is still capable of devoting more time to his studies whether you live there or not so that can't be a deciding factor you say you've been thinking it's time for a new city and this is where i want you to place your focus instead do you want this would you want this if you weren't in a relationship is the relationship a good reason to do something you've always wanted to do anyway or are you convincing yourself this is something you've wanted when it's actually never been on your list of things you want to do in your life Only you can answer these questions. The fact that your career hasn't taken off yet is a great reason that you're not tied to the current city you're in, but do you actually want to move? In terms of the broader questions of whether it's okay to make sacrifices for the sake of your relationship, yes, I think we all make sacrifices, whether it's in our career, in our relationships, in our friendships. And if your relationship is more important than your career, for example, and that's said with 100% no judgment, and you're willing to make that sacrifice, then that's okay. Not everyone will have their priorities ordered in the same way and some people listening will believe what I said was anti-feminist because you should never put another person before yourself and I think this mentality has a little flaw in it because it's important to emphasise that if you do place a relationship higher than a career, it's not that you put another person before yourself, you're putting your own relationship higher than your own career and it's no one's place to tell you what should be your order of priorities and no one else has a right or a say to have an opinion on what priorities you have in your life and you're allowed to change those priorities at the moment your career might be more important but in five years your relationship might be more important I know at the beginning of my life as an adult I had my career as top priority actually there was a period where I had my relationship as top priority for probably between the ages of like 18 and 20 and then at 21 I found a career I loved and that became my priority for about five years my last two years my priorities have shifted again and relationship whilst is not 
more important than my career it's probably at the same level as my career whereas three years ago four years ago I couldn't say the same thing we need to stop judging each other's priorities and we also need to stop dictating what other people's priorities should be my only caveat is that anytime you make sacrifices you have to do the sacrifice for yourself and from your own heart and not with the expectation that the other person is going to meet you there and be able to sacrifice to the same extent or a sacrifice that he's going to make in the future. For example, you can't see this as an IOU that you can redeem at some point in the rest of your relationship. When it's done like that, it leads to resentment. But also, if the relationship doesn't work, it could also lead you to regret. And as horrible as the question is, I think a really key way to figure this out is to ask yourself, if you moved and the relationship ended, would you still be happy if you moved? If you move, it has to be for you. I actually have a personal example of this. I have a friend who moved to Singapore for her career and her boyfriend followed her and then her career took her to Hong Kong and her boyfriend followed her. Six months after being in Hong Kong, they broke up, but the boyfriend ended up staying in Hong Kong and it's now been 10 years since they broke up. He still lives in Hong Kong. He has a different partner. This friend has a different partner, but he stayed put in Hong Kong because the move to Hong Kong, whilst it was initiated because of her career change, it wasn't solely because of that. He also wanted to explore Asia and whilst he didn't specifically have Hong Kong in mind or Singapore in mind, it was an opportunity that came up that he took and he enjoyed being out there so much that even after the relationship ended, he stayed out there. And that's the way you can move for a partner but also yourself. So you just need to figure out whether it's for them 100% or whether it's for both of you and it's just the right opportunity coming up at the right time. I hope that helps and good luck with a lot of life changing decisions you're about to make. Today's three quick tips are on how to make long distance relationships work. The first one is that small sentimental ideas can mean a lot to foster connections. Over lockdown, obviously all my relationships became long distance, whether they were romantic or platonic. And I found that small things like someone sending you a card or a handwritten letter was so meaningful. If you're about to leave town and you've just spent a week together, put post-its around the house. Those small things mean so much. It's that extra thought, whether it's the extra journey that you have to go to the post office or whatever it is, it just means a lot. And as much as we have wonderful technology now to be able to call and text and constantly be in touch, that extra effort can mean a lot and foster a lot of intimacy and connection that is really important to maintain when you are long distance. The second tip is to bring up an issue when it happens. This tip is actually from my own experience of being in long distance relationships and personally was always the hardest part for me. My issue was that I never wanted to have a fight over the phone or over text. So I held these arguments for when I saw them in person, but then when I actually saw them in person, I didn't want to ruin the limited amount of time we had together. And so issues would accumulate and never get voiced, not only in the moment, but to be honest at all, until one day I exploded with all of these issues that I had held in because I didn't want to ruin our time together. If I could go back in time and give my younger self some advice, the main thing I would say is you need to create time to have those hard conversations, both in person and over the phone. If it has to be over the phone, so be it. Whilst it's not ideal, waiting for the perfect moment to bring up an issue means the issue will never get brought up. And whilst you might not want to bring up the issue in the exact moment it happens, you also shouldn't be holding on to it for a long time. 
For me, it would be the first opportunity I had their full attention, whether that be over the phone or in person. Waiting for it always to be in person will lead to resentment. And it's important that you talk through the problems that you have in the relationships so that you can improve on them. The third tip is that when you have time together, be wary of only spending alone time. I know it's tempting to want to spend the week or the 72 hours you have together completely alone, but it's important that you're both still a part of each other's lives. So whether you're visiting them or they're visiting you, be a part of their life and don't turn down every invite just because your partner is in town. Enjoy being able to include them, even if you leave an hour early, but still be involved in your social life because that means that there'll be less of a stark contrast between when they're in town and when they're not. On to the third question. Hi, Michelle. So, my boyfriend and I have been in a long-distance relationship for about six months now. It's been rough, but I kind of got used to it. Then two weeks ago, he told me every time we said goodbye, he'd fall into a dark hole for a few days because it was so hard on him. As we talked, we realised we'd still have at least one and a half years of long-distance relationship in front of us, and with that, we decided to call it quits. But then about two hours later, he calls me again, saying that he wants to talk about it and he isn't sure about this at all. I said sure, but also that I wanted no contact for a while to see how I felt. I felt absolutely awful and contacted him a few days later. Eventually, we decided to give it another shot and he's also realised that no relationship is worse than a long-distance relationship. But he also has depression and I'm unsure if I can be with him if it's so horribly hard for him while I'm mostly okay. Is it mean to say you don't want a long-distance relationship, even if you love them? Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much for your question, Lisa. I'm going to be really honest, because the podcast name is In All Honesty, and say that it sounds like the relationship isn't working for both of you. Even though you ended your question saying that you are mostly okay, I think mostly okay is quite a low bar to set for a relationship. I am of the belief that a relationship should be adding to your life, and the fact that you came to the conclusion to end it speaks volumes. When it comes to the fact that he falls into a dark hole every time you leave, it could be because they have an old wound around abandonment and therefore the leaving could flare up that abandonment wound and until that wound is healed, it will continue to be an issue. But also in a long distance relationship, that wound is constantly going to be reopened. When it comes to the regret you felt after you ended the conversation about that phone call, that's really common. But if the decision was made calmly and not out of intense emotions, whether that be sadness or anger, then that was the right decision. The phone call after is simply the missing each other. And that's not a sign you made the wrong decision. It's simply a sign of the fact that you're human and loved each other. And it's normal to feel sadness and to miss each other after a relationship ends. In regards to the depression, that is not a reason to stay in a relationship or not to bring up difficult conversations. Ultimately, the time you have been long distance is only a quarter of the time that you are going to be long distance. You have three quarters of the time left to go. And if you're having your doubts now, it's only going to get harder from here. Yes, close to the end, you'll have more hope because it will seem like there's only so much to go. But a year and a half is a long time to put your life on hold and settle for, in your words, mostly okay. Ultimately, and this might be controversial, but I don't believe love is the only requirement for a relationship to work. And I also don't think that love outweighs other criteria. 
For example, if affection is a high value in your love life, that value is never going to be fully satisfied in a long distance relationship, no matter what you do or change about it, unless you change the distance. Love can't compensate for that because the idea that love compensates for other things that are missing gives this idea that you wouldn't be able to find love and the other thing, that you wouldn't be able to find both, that you wouldn't be able to find love and get your needs met. So is it mean? No, because I believe it's your job to get your needs met. Even from your question, I can tell you already know the answer. Trust yourself and don't beat yourself up about needing more than what you are currently being provided. You are responsible for your own happiness and to stay in a relationship that is not working to not upset the other person isn't fair to you, it isn't fair to them, because as painful as it's going to be for both of you, it's only going to get more painful the longer you stay in the relationship. And whilst you're staying in this relationship, assuming you're both monogamous, you're preventing each other from finding the perfect fit. In your question, you pretty much said the answer, you just need to trust yourself and make the decision. It's going to hurt, it's going to be painful, you're going to need to grieve the relationship, but it's an important decision you need to make and you need to have that hard conversation. Good luck and I hope it goes well. When it comes to long distance relationships, there are always going to be exceptions who make it work. And some of you might even be in those relationships and are secretly yelling back at me, telling me that you did it and it works and it's amazing. That is actually really amazing and I'm so happy for you. But for the most part, when it comes to long distance, and to be honest, dating in general, I am of the belief that it's important to believe you are the rule, not the exception. But feel free to believe I'm wrong. In fact, feel free to prove me wrong, whatever makes you happy. Either way, when it comes to long distance relationships, undeniably, there are elements of a relationship that you miss out on, whether that's physical intimacy or support at life events. So the biggest question you need to ask yourself is whether you're happy in a relationship that doesn't have these elements and are there other elements that compensate for it? And to end, I wanted to share something I am working on. So at the moment, I am working on trying to not get so worked up and stressed by my job. Uh, more specifically, I'm trying to set more strong boundaries around the fact that because you sent an email and want a reply within a certain time, then I do not have to meet that. I'm getting rid of the double standards in my industry and essentially the double standard that is really bugging me right now is that they often leave my emails or my agency emails for a week or two weeks and then will suddenly reply wanting something instantly or within the next 24 hours and I get really stressed because it means that I can't schedule my work day properly and it also means that I get these requests sometimes at ridiculous hours of the day and I do get really worked up about it and I have been getting really worked up about it for the last what year and a half um my life coach always says you have three options you can accept it you can change it or you can suffer and if you can't change it you have to do one of the other two and since I can't change this and it is the industry I'm in I am going to have to accept it because I don't have any plans in suffering for the rest of my life well as long as I'm in this industry so I'm working on that. I'm trying to gain as much power as I can within the elements I can control. And then in the elements I can't control, I'm setting boundaries. And the sentence that has been really helping me learn this is the lack of planning on your end does not constitute an emergency on my end. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that sentence and I've said it so many times and also simply just reminding myself this is not important this is not urgent I'm not a brain surgeon my work doesn't mean someone's gonna live or die and sometimes it's just really helpful to contextualize it in the grand scheme of life and realize that the problem you are worrying about and is consuming most of your day really does not matter that much and that's what I'm working on I'd love to know what you're working on at the moment and thank you so much for all the questions and if you'd like to be part of a future episode and get your question answered then email me a voice note asking your question at in all honesty at mindsetfullife.co.uk the email address will be in the description below if you didn't catch that and in the meantime follow me on instagram at scarred not scared you can also find me on twitter and tiktok at the same username you can get my book am i ugly or watch my ted talk have you hated your body enough today i look forward to speaking to you in the next episode next week we'll be talking about anger so tune in next week to hear more thank you so much for listening and goodbye hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.